Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is all new and improved and now completely full of crap. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, back home in the recording studio built here at my office in Concord, North Carolina, home of humidity. And I'm soaking it up after spending a week in the desert, which really wasn't too dry, but it was dry enough for me and I'm tired of drinking water. Uh, but anyway, in tonight's show, in pipe parts, I uh, got a gift while I was at the uh, in Las Vegas. So we're going to talk a little bit about Oriental or Turkish tobaccos. Coincides with the gift that I got, and uh, this will be fun. This will be fun in the future for me. My guest tonight, pipe maker Ryan Alden. And because Ryan's from Texas, music from a uh, Texas pipe smoker, yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan. And then later on in the mailbag, we'll catch up on what went on at the trade show briefly and the FDA update, as well as the mailbag. And then, got a rant for you. Got a rant for you at the end of the show, specifically from Las Vegas. All right, so uh, anyway, let me touch on a few things real quickly, Las Vegas-wise. First of all, let me hit some of the negatives, all right? Las Vegas used to be a somewhat reasonably priced place to go and get a decent hotel room and eat like a king and get good meals on the cheap. It is no longer on the cheap anymore. The least expensive hamburger that I could find, the least expensive one I could find on the strip was 12 bucks for a hamburger. And then if you wanted fries, that was extra. Uh, drink prices are going up all over the place because apparently Las Vegas is now converting from a place where you go to gamble to a place where you go to drink, see, be seen, hang out, and party. So thankfully I'm a lightweight because seven, eight bucks for a beer and uh, you know, twelve, fifteen dollars for one bourbon. Well, that'll run up the tab really quick, but. All right, everybody, let's get the show going. Glad to be back home. I'll be here for a couple of weeks and happy about it. But sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you to Sutliff Tobacco Company, and here we go. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. 
I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. In just a few minutes, Ryan Alden will be on the phone with me. But in the meantime, I want to talk to you about Turkish tobaccos or what we might consider to be Orientals. Uh, The true Turkish tobaccos that, you know, camel cigarettes made famous. Those Turkish tobaccos are named based off of regions in actually in northern Greece. So they are... Actually, oriental tobaccos primarily grown in Greece, named for the region that they were grown in. And uh, yours truly was lucky enough to get there, get my hands on some samples and talk to some folks about them. So I thought I'd go through a few of these real quick with you and let you know what I'm going to be playing with. And one of the ways that I really like to, and this is how I learned to identify what each tobacco kind of tastes like on its own, is to smoke it individually. Uh, Peter Stokeby, when he took me on a tour of the Orlick factory, one of the things that we did was he took me off to the side and we went to the bales, the big bales of tobacco, the different grades of tobacco from Virginia's and Burley's all the way down to some of these Orientals. And Peter would reach in and pull off a piece and put it in his mouth and taste it. And that's how you knew, first of all, if it was cured properly, but secondly, you could identify some of the taste characteristics of the individual tobaccos. Then the next thing you do is you smoke them straight. Smoke them straight in the pipe just to figure out what they taste like. Uh, One of the ones I got my hands on is called Yanija. And Yanija is one of the the taller of the oriental plants, uh, but it's grown in an area of Greece near the town of Xanthi. And they're small leaves, but Yanija is a very distinctive flavor. And surprisingly, most of these Orientals are very low in nicotine. So what you're getting out of most of them is a very aromatic or sweet taste. Not a lot of nicotine content. Uh, The one that it's grown near is called Xanthi. And xanthi tobacco grown in the grown in that same area of xanthi, and it's technically a grade of Bosma, but the colors are a little different, and it has very similar characteristics. It's also a low nicotine content, and the xanthi. One of the things that you'll notice with it is that it's really heavy in oils, and works really well in a blend. It's almost kind of kind of sticky. Uh, you really don't want to smoke it straight at all because those oils will, will really bite at you. Uh, Izmir is one that is talked about a lot in uh, Turkey and Greece. And Izmir is much more of a cigarette taste. It's a little higher in nicotine. Uh, it's very mild, but it's exceptionally flavorful. 
I mean, it's got a ton of flavor. It's highly aromatic. It almost smells better burning by itself than it does drawing on it straight. And again, I haven't taste tested any of these. I don't have any Izmir anyway, but I know Izmir is one of the more popular, uh, one of the more popular leaves used in cigarettes. Um, Black Sea Samsun is uh, Samsun from the Samsun region of Turkey near the Black Sea and into Greece. And it's a really rich, really flavorful uh, tobacco that you'll see in both cigarettes and pipe tobacco. A couple of the other ones that I want to draw your attention to is uh, Drama, which comes from the Drama region. And to me, it's got uh, a little bit of a dryness to it, a little dryness on the smell. Um, and then Agonia is another one that is, I did a, asked around a little bit, and it seems to be getting harder and harder to get, but it seems to be a little more, uh, a little more on the fruity flavor. But anyway, I was lucky enough to get my hands on some, on about two ounces of each, and I've got to give them some time to get some moisture back in them because they came just literally wrapped in little plastic sandwich bags, and I want to stabilize them first before I start smoking them. In uh, future episodes, we'll start pulling through them one at a time. So there you go, some uh, fun to look forward to, and it was a nice surprise to get those when I got to Las Vegas. But in a minute, Ryan Alden will be on the phone with me. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical. A tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliftTobacco.com. Go to SutliftTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. I am happy to have on the Pipes Magazine radio show pipe maker and highly active PipesMagazine.com forum member who most of you may know as Lone Star, but Ryan Alden of Alden Pipes. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. All right, so tell everybody, let's get to know you. For those of us that don't know you, where are you from, where'd you grow up, and uh, how old were you when you wanted to become a cowboy? Well, I was born in Texas, uh, side of Garland. Uh, I grew up in East Texas, uh, between East Texas and South Florida. Um, Wait, somewhere is, is East is East Texas near South Florida, or did I miss something? No, no, no. Uh, my dad was a truck driver. And uh, I guess the first time he saw Texas, he fell in love, spent the rest of his life uh, between the two. And I happen to be born on this 
Right. So, so you were born on this side of the of the hall, and that's where you stayed. But, uh, yeah, so I, I spent a lot of summers in uh, South Florida, and, and uh, I guess really, though, I drove trucks for years, so I kind of make myself at home wherever I am, but uh, but Texas is what I call home. Now, are you a big football fan? I'm not. I uh, played football when I was younger, but uh, I don't, uh, don't follow much of it. I, I was going to say because, uh, all right, tell everybody how tall you are. Uh, six foot six. And you're not exactly the uh, the flagpole bean pole built person. <laughs> three, three, about 300 pounds. So either in a bar fight or as a defensive end, you would have been great. Exactly, and that's uh, you know if I'm not good for much else, uh, I can uh, you know take the slack if somebody starts a bar fight. <laughs> I could hide behind you; nobody would see me. Yeah, yeah, it's happened before. <laughs> All right, so when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, way too young. Um, you know, I, I actually I bought my first uh, pipe when I was 18 at a tender box, and uh, bought the bought a Meerschaum, a Sultan's Head Meerschaum, and a can of uh, old Ironsides. Old Ironsides. Uh, so wow. It's good big tobacco, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and how was the how'd that go? Did you have any help? With somebody showing you how to pack it and load it, or were you just kind of left on your own? No, not really. I mean, I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd been smoking tobacco, smoking cigarettes for years, and and uh, I probably shouldn't have, but uh, but I just, you know, I was fascinated with pipes for years and years, so it just kind of made sense to jump into, you know, jump into pipe smoking. You know, smoking cigarettes at a young age will stunt your growth. You know, that's the main reason I did it is because I have enough problems now with <laughs> low-hanging ceiling fans and doorways and <laughs> airplanes and uh, restaurants <laughs> and I'm I'm, I'm gonna I just pick on you just because I can. Um, so the first pipe was a Meerschaum and. Did you was it love at first smoke or was it a battle? No, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I smoked uh, smoked that pipe off and off. Uh, I, I didn't smoke regularly either. You know, it was a, a fairly random thing for years and years until I started driving trucks. Uh, and that's when I really got serious about uh, smoking pipes and you know, something to kill a couple of hours of kind of a thing. So you'd actually, you'd be up in the big rig and puffing away on your pipe and going down the road? Sure, you got 12 hours to kill. And uh, so it's a good way to do it. <laughs> 12 hours to kill and a long yellow line. That's right. <laughs> uh, did your pipe taste change? Did you get, you know, did you get into different kinds of pipes? Yeah, yeah, and, and especially tobaccos. You know, the funny thing is, uh, I guess I do things backwards, but 
most people start out smoking aromatics and then work their way into uh, the English blends and more complex things. And so I actually started smoking English blends and uh, somewhere along the way <clears throat> lost my taste for it. Uh, so nowadays I smoke just about anything, but but not too much uh, English. Um, uh, you're a big fan and, of all the uh, the cherry aromatics, huh? <laughs> you know, on occasion uh, I smoke a few aromatics. I tend towards uh, probably Virginia Burley blends more than anything, and uh, Virginia Periques, and you know, aromatics are further down the list, but blends for some reason. So, what kind of pipes? What kind of pipes did you start smoking, and and then when did the pipe making begin? Well, um, when I was driving, I, I sort of got obsessed with uh, state pipes for a while, and uh, so I'd buy them by the dozen for a while and uh, clean them, fix them up, whatever they needed, and uh, did that for years and. Uh, I collected a little bit of everything, you know, it was probably more of a stamp collector kind of mentality, just one of everything, you know, one <laughs> pipe from every country that makes pipes, one pipe in every shape, one pipe from every factory, and uh, so that adds up to a pretty serious collection after a while. <laughs> Did you have any uh, any favorites at that point? Um. Not particularly, and, and I'm still kind of this way with and tobacco is both. Uh, my tastes are always revolving. I may smoke uh, two or three pipes pretty heavily for a while, and then they'll go back on the shelf, and uh, you know, and then something else will come out for a while. And same, I'm the same way with tobacco. I'll smoke one or two blends pretty heavily for a while, and then they'll kind of fall out of rotation. Something else will come in, and so I've always sort of been that way. That almost sounds kind of moody, and I and I'm kind of jealous of you. <laughs> uh, so when did you start? When did you decide you were going to try making your own pipes? Well, I did that in high school. I really uh, uh, I didn't have a lot of influence pipe smoking influences. Uh, I knew my grandfather smoked the pipe, but uh, I was. You know, I never had a chance to meet him, and uh, I had an uncle that smoked the pipe, but, you know, he lived somewhere else, so I have the memories of, of him smoking, but but no direct influences, but uh, probably what more, I guess I was about 15 or 16 years old, I came across uh, Alfred Dunhill's pipe book, and uh, so I was just fascinated with the uh, pictures and the you know, there's hundreds of pictures in there from pipes around the world, different cultures and and uh, uh, different tribal pipes and primitive pipes and things. And so that that really influenced me to uh, you know go out and hack a limb off of a willow tree and hollow it up, you know. And, and uh, so so that influenced me. Uh, and then I made I ended up making actually quite a few pipes in shop class. When the teacher was in his office, I'd run over to the press and drill out a bowl and an airway and then flip the block back over so he wouldn't see what I was working on. And, um, so so I, was, I was kind of, uh, 
you know, fascinated by pipes at an early age, uh, but I never really got serious with it until, uh, oh, probably about four years ago, I really started thinking about, uh, you know, I just looked at how much fun I had with these, cleaning up these old, grungy, nasty estate pipes, and, uh, you know, just kind of looked at it and said, well, you know, I enjoy this, uh, so maybe I should try my hand at actually making them. And and see if you see if you like doing that from the start, because then you don't have to clean them. Well, that's it, you know. And it's if you restored a lot of old estate pipes. You know, some of these pipes hadn't seen a pipe cleaner in thirty years. You know, they get pretty nasty and beat up and abused. And so, like I say, I mean, I, I enjoyed cleaning up those old pipes and bringing them back to. So I guess that's that's where it clicked is, hey, you know, if you enjoyed this part of it, um, you know, why not try your hand at making them? So how'd you go about learning how to make uh, make your first real pipe instead of the pipe in high school, which I'm I'm still wondering why a six and a half foot tall kid in high school's wanting to make wood pipes, but <laughs> with I hung around with a lot of uh, what you might call juvenile delinquents. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I made a lot of uh, I'm sure they're all uh, gone by now, but who knows? Um, they, they Wait, you might say those pipes burned out or faded away. Um, I think most of them are in evidence lockers, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so moving on, you decide you're going to make real uh, adult briar pipes. and Did you work with anybody, or did you just start uh, start on the Internet and teach yourself? Well, um, it was tough for me driving a truck because I'm on the road for weeks and weeks. And uh, so it's almost impossible to do both things, to work on pipes and drive trucks. You know, you're gone for three weeks. You come in, you get two days at home, you sleep for a day and a half. And, uh, next thing you know, it's time to go back on the road again. And uh, so it was, it was tough to balance uh, the two. So what I did for the first year was just read. And, uh, you know, I track down every bit of information I could possibly find on making pipes. Uh, you know, all the literature I could find, everything that every pipe maker has ever written on the internet. <laughs> and uh, so that's so that was the that was the biggest that was the start for me was just reading and picking up as much information, getting the basics down and um, putting together tools, trying to find shops a year doing all of that before I ever touched a piece of briar. We're going to take a break right here, and then we'll talk about, uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Ryan's big leap into making pipes. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. 
Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, still visiting with Ryan, the world's only teenage boy that got excited over the Alfred Dunhill pipe book. Um, so you did all the studying for a year, and then did you just make the jump, make the leap, and so that's it, I'm, I'm done driving the truck, and I'm going to make pipes? I wish it had been that easy, uh, but, but that's almost the case. Uh, I mean, I actually had to quit driving to make pipes, but, uh, but you know, making pipes and especially making any kind of money making pipes is tough to do. And uh, so I probably spent the next year and a half uh, jumping back between the two. So basically I would make pipes until I went broke and, and then go get a real job for a few months and then making pipes and then go back to driving trucks and so i kind of too uh just to keep bills paid and uh you know keep learning keep getting better at uh, making pipes so that's basically the, the only way i could figure out how to make it work and so that's what i did so are you full-time now making pipes i, I am and uh and i'm trying to keep it that way uh, you know, I'm trying to stay out of pipes it, it, or stay out of trucks. It's gotten a lot harder to juggle the two. So hopefully this time it sticks and I can actually pay some bills with pipes instead of having to do that back and forth. Your website, which is Alden, A-L-D-E-N, pipes.com, uh, mentions that you work with both Morta, Strawberry Wood, Olive Wood, and Briar. Is is there a different approach that you use when you're dealing with the with the different kinds of woods? There can be. I mean, uh, there's definitely different properties between them. Uh, you know, Morta is a lot harder to turn and get a smooth finished surface. So, uh, so you approach it a little bit differently. Make sure your tools are razor sharp and um, you know just technical things like that. But for the most part, I mean, the construction, the engineering, all of that, the basics are the same across the board. Is the strawberry wood dramatically softer? Because every time I see it, it 
first of all, I see them in sandblast, and then they're just the 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 relief of the grain is just bizarre sometimes. It, it is, and and that's one of the big things appreciate about it. Uh, I love the the look you can get from strawberry wood. Uh, and it, it is, it's a, it's a softer wood. And I think the big difference is that it grows faster than briar does. And, uh, so I think that's what gives it the more chaotic pattern and, uh, and makes it a little bit softer. But I think as far as durability goes, I, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty similar to briar. I mean, the way we smoke pipes nowadays, uh, I think 50 years ago when a guy owned one pipe and he smoked it all day long, every day. <laughs> until it burn up, you know, if, if you're treating a pipe that way, you may see some differences over the long term. Uh, but I think the way most smokers uh, smoke today, where you have a rotation and you let pipes rest, I, I don't think you'll see a, a big difference in the two materials. Do you taste a difference in the strawberry wood? Because I've, I've honestly never smoked one. Um, you know, I think most woods that are different than briar. Uh, the first few bowls that you have in it, you will notice a few differences. Um, it's a really sweet wood. Um, you know, actually, if, if you, uh, if you uh, taste the, you know, a little piece of the sawdust or something, it actually has a sweet, almost a strawberry taste to it and a strawberry smell when you're turning it. Um, so I, I think you get that for the first few bowls. You'll notice a little bit of difference. Once you have a cake built up, you know, they, they, pretty well all smoke the same well, now, now you got me looking at another pipe thank you i, I appreciate that my <laughs> wallet appreciates that <clears throat> sure all right so moving on what was the hardest thing what was the hardest part of pipe making for you to for you to catch on with everything <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That. It's a, you know, it, it's such a, it's such a detailed thing. Uh, you know, everything comes down to tiny details. Uh, there's, you know, there's 200 things you need to know to, uh, to make a pipe well, but you have to learn each one of those things and, and get them just right. You know, how do you face the, the, uh, end of the shank so that it's a perfect fit? You know, that's a tiny detail. Uh, but it's something you have to figure out. You know, if it's if that detail is lacking, then the then the whole pipe is is going to be um, you know suffer because of it. So, so to me, it's just the minutia, the the small tiny details that have to be perfect. Uh, and it's and it's tough to learn each one of those things. And apparently, you've learned it because recently one of your pipes was selected into the Kansas City uh, the seven day pipe set. So. You, you must have figured something out. <laughs> I, I, you know, that to me, that was a huge honor. Uh, and it was just, to me, it was recognition that, uh, you know, all this time I've spent learning each one of those tiny details uh, is finally paying off in, in a, having a complete pipe that, you know, the way it should be done. Are there shapes that you really enjoy making? Um, definitely. Um, I enjoy classics. I'm actually falling back more and more on the, the classic shape and uh, finding that, that that's really what I do appreciate. That's what I like to smoke myself or uh, straight billiards and Dublins and 
and things like that. And, and there's a lot of satisfaction in making classic shapes well. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of satisfaction in making any pipe well. But uh, but to me, I, I really do like making the classics, just straight uh, billiards and and Lovitz and Canadians and, and things along those. On the front of your website, there's a really nice-looking compact Dublin on there. Yeah, which I think that, that was a uh, strawberry wood pipe. Well, okay, thanks. I'm not talking to you anymore. Uh, <laughs> are there shapes that you've tried to make where you just can't get them yet? Or you're not happy with them yet? Definitely. Uh, there definitely is. Uh, you know, I think I think different people are, are good at different things and uh, are all shapes and things. And uh, to me, I'm finding more and more that, uh, that you know, I, I like pipes that are just pipes. I mean, I like looking at things that, that look great on a mantelpiece or a display case or, or whatever. Uh, but I like making, you know, classic shapes or more classic shapes. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and it may just be that I'm biased also. Uh, but I don't like the big sculptural pipes, but but I find pieces like that that are kind of outside the box. Uh, I don't do as well with, and and that and again, bias that I don't like smoking pipes like that. So so it's harder for me to sit down and design a pipe like that and make it. I uh, tend to agree that if the pipe maker likes the pipe, it's probably going to be a better pipe. How many different pipe shows are you getting to each year now? Well, this year I've done uh, two shows, and I hope to do two more. I'm hoping to make it to uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, and, and Las Vegas. Uh, but I think if, if one or the other wins out, it's going to be Las Vegas. So. I, I was going to say, the year. you could probably... You know, drive a truck from Richmond to Vegas and pick up some cash on the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's the other thing I have to fall back on is if I go do a show and it's a flop, I can uh, job around the corner and get a ride home. <laughs> the best part of your pipes is tell everybody your pricing and where it where it starts out and where it ends up. That's, that's one thing I try to be, uh, uh, you know, as, as generous as I can. I, uh, I've always been a working man myself, and so I understand, uh, you know, the value of a paycheck. And so that's one thing I try hard to do is give someone the money that they spend. So uh, um, right now, uh, most of my pipes are 250 to $300. And uh, but it, but again, to me, the biggest thing is that no matter what the price tag is on it, uh, you get a lot for the money that you spend. So even if I had a price tag that was twice that, I want to give someone three times that value. And you do a ton of pipes by commission, which would explain why there's not a lot of pipes on your website. That's that's that is the case. 
uh, I, I guess it's it's kind of been uh, uh, a bit of a blessing from the start. I've I've always had a commission list as long arm, and I can barely keep up with. But uh, the problem have on the website, and I'm hoping I can change that this summer and uh, have some available pipes up there more often. But uh, you, you're definitely right. Almost everything I do gets sold at commissions or in person at shows. And when you're not making pipes, what keeps you busy? Um, you know, I love the outdoors. Um, I could say kind of a year-round uh, sportsman. I fish in the summer, hunt and and uh, that's probably my my biggest pet. Uh, being outside in the sunshine and the open air and and uh, so that's that's the main thing other than that I pretty much work unless I'm out doing something <clears throat> down at the coast uh, offshore or out at the ranch in the winter time uh, wait when you're out at the ranch are you punching doggies uh, <laughs> you had to ask didn't you oh uh, yeah I, oh. Contrary to popular belief, we don't actually all ride horses. Oh. Well, and I was going to ask you where your hat and boots are, but we won't go into that. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, you can drive out there in a F-150 and blow the horn and the cows come running either way, so <laughs> a lot easier than saddling up at like. Yeah, but you can't hand roll a cigarette and shoot at Indians over one shoulder while you're doing that. All right, enough. <laughs> enough about that. Uh, the, the fun thing that's on your website is you are a direct descendant of a uh, of a uh, Mayflower occupant. Yeah, yeah, John Alden. And came across so you're a uh, you're a son of the Mayflower, which yep. which means that your family's been in this country for a while. Sometime, yeah, and uh, it never fails to amaze me. I open up a phone book. I don't run into anyone uh, very often with with the last name, but you can open a phone book in just about any little town and see a Alden in there somewhere. And now I'm gonna now I'm gonna check and see if there's one in Concord and ask them if they came over on the Mayflower. Uh, yeah, well, chances are they did. Yeah, you, know, you, you talk about not having many relatives that have smoked a pipe. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of pipe smoking going on on the Mayflower. Sure, uh, a lot of people died too, but uh, that's beside the point. Anyway, we will uh, wrap this up on a happy note with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's your favorite pipe? Classics. Uh, my favorite pipe is a uh, is a straight billiard, or I love it. And what's your favorite tobacco? Um, I, I'd have to say just a uh, Virginia Burley Blend in general. What is your favorite drink? At this time of year, it's got to be iced tea. When it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Definitely a book. I look music in the shop all day, but uh, just every day I sit for a few 
minutes and read something. Any uh, any particular genre? History. I am a history nerd. And a shop class nerd, too. Uh, but we won't shop get into that. Shop class nerd, too, and I'm very sneaky. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And last but not least, do you have a favorite pipe-smoking memory? Um, uh, you know, really, probably every pipe show that I've ever been to, uh, just sitting around the table with uh, new friends or old friends and just having a drink and a pipe and, and uh, chat. It is fun to get together as a group and it kind of recharges you when you head back home. Definitely, definitely. You know, the pipe shows that I've been to, it's really kind of the most I have all year. I may be a fairly boring guy. <laughs> That's it. The pipe shows your wild time out, huh? They really hooted up there in Texas. Um, to keep Brian out of a truck and to keep him making pipes, go to his website. All of his contact information is there. And again, the website is Alden, A-L-D-E-N, pipes.com. And I'll tell everybody a little secret. One of the pipes I bought in Kansas City is a Alden pipe. So there's a little endorsement for you. Uh, but then again, I have no taste, and I am the leading expert on my own opinion. You may tarnish my reputation, Brian. Yeah, well, it's been nice knowing you, and it's been great having you on the show. <laughs> but let's keep Ryan from uh, having to drive a truck, and we'll we'll keep you making pipes for a long time. All right, I hope. Thanks, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language, as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Satleft Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and do make sure and check out Ryan's Pipes. And from one Texas native to another for music tonight, 
Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. This one's called Say What?
that song is exactly how I feel after seven days in Las Vegas. I mean, just going, 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 and then the end. You got mail. You got mail. You got mail. Okay, so update on the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, currently, the uh, con- the comment period got extended until August 7th. That was primarily on uh, request of the premium cigar folks. The premium cigar folks are really worried because the definition of what is a premium cigar. Right now, the FDA has in there, it retails for $10. Well, we all know there's a lot of good 4 and $6 cigars out there. and I found one new one this year at the show, but no big deal. Uh, so the comment period has been extended until August 7th. Uh, the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, has forced the FDA into a less restrictive regulatory stance. Don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like it's good news for us. But it sounds and it sounds to me like the uh, the OMB has requested that the FDA just do oversight, not regulate as heavily. And there's concerns amongst the industry about the grandfather date, which would go back to uh, 2009. Uh, any blend on the market before that would be grandfathered. Any blend after that would be. Uh, would be subject to uh, subject to approval, and there's questions about the substantial equivalence report. Now, that's a report that a manufacturer would have to file anytime there's a change. Now, here's a quick story that I heard on the smokeless tobacco side. A substantial equivalence report was requested by Swedish Match for their general snooze. That's the little uh, little uh, pouch bags of uh, smokeless tobacco that just kind of stick between your cheek and gums. They wanted to change a couple of components inside of it. It was minor changes, but what the uh, what Swedish Match did apparently was they delivered the FDA, who regulates smokeless tobacco already, they, re- they delivered a 90,000-page report. Now, from what I understand, here's how the game works. The manufacturer, because it's just a slight change or something that's substantially equivalent to what it was before, uh, as long as you file the report, once you file the report, you can go ahead and make the changes until, and keep, and do the changes until the uh, FDA has replied back to you on that report. Now, so what we were all guessing was that Swedish Match sent in this 90,000-page report, which included a ton of other countries' health reports and yeah, the status of snus in other countries and this, that, and the other. But what we figured is they sent in this massive report so that it would take forever to read it. And odds are that the person that's going to start to read it might retire, and then a new person would have to take over, and so on and so on. So they just bogged them down. And that was uh, that had a whole bunch of us chuckling. Let me update you on uh, what happened on the trade show floor, or what happened in Vegas. Um, first of all, I saved up my pennies, and I made it over to Thomas Pink, and they were having their summertime sale, and I got five new dress shirts. They're traveler shirts that I absolutely love, because they really don't need any ironing. That was fun. And then I'd uh, gotten a tip on a new hat shop that had opened up a couple hotels down the road. It's the Gorin Brothers, G-O-O-R-I-N Brothers. Gorin Brothers hats, uh, great hats, all one-piece handmaids, and uh, 
they hooked me up with two hats and they were also kind enough to hook me up with some Jameson whiskey while I was sitting there. Great guys really understand hats and really understand the culture of it and just a just a great place to go. So apparently they've got about 25 or 30 stores around the country, but uh, check out Gurren Brothers Hats if you're ever in Vegas. Uh, Meal-wise, nothing exceptional except I got a chance to get over to Carnegie Deli. That's uh, always a highlight for a mile-high hot pastrami sandwich and uh, fills you up really well. Um, I did notice that, you know, the, the new celebrity chef thing in Las Vegas is that every every hotel has to have a celebrity chef, and they have to have, now they have to have more than one. So you got multiple celebrity chefs in all the fancy hotels, and to me, eh, I'd rather spend my money doing other stuff than uh, going and getting an overpriced meal. Uh, one of my favorite spots is down at the Paris Hotel. If you're ever in Vegas, go to Mon Ami Gabi. It's a little French restaurant right out on the sidewalk. We got down there for one night. They gave us a great table with a view of the fountains of Bellagio. And the food is always really good. The company was great. We had one of our uh, factory, the owners of one of our factories, pipe factories that we buy from in Italy with us. And it was nice to sit there and look at the Bellagio, which is supposed to be on Lake Como in Italy, with... Italian natives. Um, on the trade show floor, once again, the IPCPR is 90%. And when I mean 90%, I mean 90% cigars and cigar accessories. There's a lot of new cigar companies coming out, a lot of individual cigar brands, lots of uh, lots of cigar companies that are trying to be innovative. And I guess there was a couple new ones that I didn't get a chance to try anything from. But, uh, you know, it's... To me, it's kind of hard to be innovative when you're only working really with five Leafs. Uh, I will say that when the Winston Churchill brand, which is one of my favorites, came out with a new, brand new little compact torpedo size that comes in a uh, metal tin of four for about 25 bucks. A uh, great four and a half inch long cigar that I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of those. Um, pipe wise. Yeah, I was so busy I didn't get a chance to get out of my booth much at all. But we did uh, did get a chance to talk to uh, uh, Per Jensen and uh, Simon Nielsen from McBaron. Had some meetings with Paul Creasy from Sutliff, and we're organizing the new uh, the new deal. And I uh, came home with a giant bag full of samples of uh, McBaron tin tobaccos for me to smoke through. So I know you all feel bad for me, but. I think the bag itself weighed about 12 pounds, and those are just tin tobaccos that I get to sort my way through. Um, otherwise, pipe-wise, from what I understand, it was a uh, fairly good show for pipes. There were some cigar retailers that were, or some cigar dealers that were complaining about stuff. The uh, trade show floor was the biggest it's ever been. I mean, it was it was massive. It had to be 360, 370,000 square feet of exhibit exhibit space people smoking and all kinds of oddball products available for smoke shops all across the country let me hit on a couple of regular mailbag things um on facebook paul from linden washington writes hi brian longtime listener to your show here thanks for all the work you do you make it sound easy and then he asked for my advice on some uh, on some pipes so uh, that was nice to hear that i make it sound easy some days it's easier than others uh, going back to last week's show with Michael, yeah, that was easy. Uh, 
Dread wrote, great show as usual. I really like, obviously, learning about pipe and tobacco industry stuff, but also a little bit of, about each of the guests and what they do. I've learned about jewelry making and miners uh, waiting with alligators, comics, guitar making, cabinet making, parenthood, spirituality, and a host of other things listening in. I always look forward to the show, and this week didn't disappoint. Uh, speaking of mining and... Uh, Michael was nice enough to post a picture that he's of uh, some of the Australian mines, and those don't look like real comfortable places uh, to go digging stuff up. But yeah, I really enjoy the variety. I I I really really enjoy the variety of people that are involved in our little hobby here. Um, RSU in Nevada writes, excellent excellent show, great interview as usual with Michael. It's pretty cool hearing about forum members and their talents. I had him repair a pipe for me, and it's one of my favorites because of, his, because of the great craftsmanship. Um, OCPS Dan writes, how cool to have one of our very own on there. In regards to the Sutliff announcement, if Brian is now a distributor for McBaron products, does that mean that Per Jensen won't have the McBaron table anymore? And furthermore, am I now doomed to have to interact with Brian to buy McBaron tobaccos at pipe shows? Um, yes to the doomed with, to uh, see me about McBaron tobaccos at pipe shows. No to... Uh, Pear. Pear's going to actually come over more and more, and we're going to try to get them out and get them into some stores and do some in-store events around the country in addition to coming out to a couple more pipe shows. So, uh, yeah, Pear's going to be a great asset for me. Um, Igloo wrote, Wow, what a great way to spend an hour. Michael, you're a great storyteller, and I really found your interview refreshing. And uh, Durf again wrote fun interview cosmic i know we're always a bit more critical of things we do it's amazing how different you act when you know you're being recorded i gave a chuckle at the apricot juice mostly due to brian's pause uh answer during the fast five i recall cosmic posting in what are you smoking thread and quite often it's what he's drinking although i thought of drinking it warm kind of gives me the heaps um I thought I saw you post somewhere in the forums that you also grew or are growing your own tobacco for your property. Um, I thought you might have mentioned that. I hope to get to the Briary one day, which I did see Skip while I was in Las Vegas. Uh, in Las Vegas. And uh, he says he's in Atlanta and Birmingham isn't too far of a drive. Never too far of a drive to get to a great, uh, to get to a great pipe shop. And going over to my buddy John Seiler... John writes, uh, I believe you could be the Elvis impersonator more than that you were attacked by Marilyn Monroe in Vegas. Uh, I'm not familiar with Michael Johnson's work except for the tampers offered for the JDRF fundraising effort, but we'll check it out at the shows. A Virginia lover, good man. He sounds like a person who enjoys his work. Jewelry making like pipe making takes real skill. I'll bet he soon moves to making pipes. Nice interview. Music, I think I like the Jiminy Cricket version of When You Wish Upon a Star Better. Something about my childhood and the Mickey Mouse Club. I forgot that was before your time. Uh, news, congrats, I guess you'll get your own uh, top access to all that Latakia and Virginia tobaccos now. Yeah, I'll uh, pass on the I'll pass on the, the Latakia for now. Um, 
Riff Raff says, great show. I look forward to hearing the news on the FDA debacle. I'm just curious why the show is in July in Vegas. Could it get any hotter? Let me give you a couple of reasons why the show is in July in Las Vegas. One, convention centers are cheap in July. Convention centers are cheap. Why? Because everybody's on their summer vacations. And uh, the second reason why the IPCPR is always in the middle of the summer, besides it being cheap, well, a lot of the stores are owner-operator, and they need somebody to cover for them for a whole week. So you may have a college student that can come in and cover for you, or you may have a uh, may have a teacher or somebody like that, but it's easier to get full-time help for you when the show's in uh, July or August. Next year, in July, <laughs> we'll be in New Orleans, and it's going to be hot. Uh, Riff Raff goes on to say, I love Michael's tampers that he made for the JDRF. They're truly works of art. Opal is one of my favorite gemstones. I'm not familiar with his other work, but I will have to acquaint myself with it. It's fun to hear about forum members that you've seen here, but never really knew their background. Cosmic Folklore is uh, prolific on the forums. Very cool interview. And then he says, every time I hear Wish when I... When You Wish Upon a Star, it reminds me of the show The Wonderful World of Disney and whisks me back to my childhood. I loved it. Congratulations on the new position. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Casey Ghost Dan writes, Pleasant enough interview with a guy who has some artistic talent. I really enjoyed looking at his work on his website. With a gun to my head, I would never admit to that song being anything other than I was forced to play this by Mad Elves selection. That was awful. Uh... Lee Harline and Ned Washington must have been rolling in their graves. Now that you're... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was my second favorite version. Um, anyway, now that you're part of Sutlift, does that mean you'll be giving your pipes away rather than selling them? Just kidding. Congratulations to you and both Sutliff. And uh, Balsifer, another great show. Brian, been catching up on some of the past shows, especially with last week's guest, the lady pipe maker. Keep up the good work. Now back to my bent Dublin with McBaron's plum cake. And uh, Dino said Mazel Tov. All right, that is it for the mailbag rant coming up in just a minute. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. 
And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupajoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Vegas, I'm mad at you and I'm calling you out because for years and years and years, tobacco companies were accused of marketing towards kids with uh, Joe Camel and the Marlboro Man. Well, here's a quick little list that I wrote down while walking through two of your casinos last week of some of the new slot machines and their themes or their games that are on these slot machines. Now, these are not the actual things, but they're just themed that way, and they got the name up there. Now, kids' games, Yahtzee, Life, Clue, and Monopoly all have their own kind of video slot machines. Uh, Ones that look like something else, how about Miss White, a white-skinned, dark-haired young girl holding a red apple? Could that be Snow White? Possibly. How about a wizard-looking machine that has a character that looks a lot like Gandalf on it? Uh, How about one called Cops and Robbers? How about all kinds of kid-related games inside a casino? How about games that are based off of Kiss, the band, Star Trek? Yeah, you can, if you get three Captain Captain Kirks in a row, you get to kiss every girl on uh, on the planet. Uh, How about a Tarzan and Jane-themed slot machine? And my favorite one of all, my favorite one of all was, how about Willy Wonka? Yes, a Willy Wonka slot machine game. And one of the little things that you had to line up was Everlasting Gobstoppers. Now, if this isn't directly trying to appeal to a younger audience, and keep in mind, casino gambling throughout the United States is 21 and over only. You have to be 21 or over to stay in the casino. However, you can walk through the casino. Could it be possible that the casinos are appealing to a younger crowd to try to get them to play slot machines? I think so. So how about a little fair play, huh? Why don't we go back to cherries and apples and wild sevens and uh, and happy flames and I'll be happy with that. All right, that's it. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Ryan Alden for joining me. Hey, make sure and leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Follow me on Facebook, all that mumbo-jumbo. And thank you to the fine folks at the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the Bombardita
Well, looks like the cows have come home to roost. 